0: The New York Times, a former newspaper, has endorsed two female Democrats for president. In an endorsement entitled Deedly DDD, Two Ladies, the Times endorsed both Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, saying it was simply too much newspaper for one woman and didn't want to restrict its passions to conform to outmoded ideas of fidelity. The endorsement, written by Times editor-in-chief Blithering Prevarication III, says in part, quote, it's not that we don't love you, Amy, but a newspaper has needs. And there are times when it's just natural for us to yearn for a certain amount of variety. Sometimes, even when we're with you, the thought of Elizabeth comes into our heads all unbidden, and we ask ourselves, why should we fight our desires like some uptight backwoods yokel when we're all sophisticated adults here who understand that these sorts of things happen even among the happiest couples? Unquote. Mr. Third continued, quote, In the end, we found it impossible to decide between Amy's mean mommy appeal that always makes us wish she would send us to our room. And Elizabeth's naughty Native American librarian, come on! It makes it hard to tell the difference between Cupid's arrow and an Apache weapon of war. Unquote. The Times conjectured that the two women probably had political differences as well. They called Klobuchar the realist model and Warren the radical model, and wrote, "Quote: We just can't decide." Whether we want to be seduced into socialist slavery, like someone following the scent of an enticing perfume and the mesmerizing clockwork of a lady's walk, or whether we want to be dragged off to pure communism, like that time we visited a dungeon and were hung upside down by leather straps and thrashed deliciously. But perhaps that's too much information, unquote. Though some journalistic observers scorn the historic double endorsement, the Times editorial board defended their decision in a statement saying, quote, we're dithering idiots who know even less about policy than we do about American history. So that explains it. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing, also singing, hunky dunky Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Hooray. Oh. You know, it's actually worth taking a more serious look, a little bit more serious than that opening, a more serious look at the Times' idiotic double endorsement, because what really struck me about it was not the dithering indecision of it, but the openness with which the Times admitted to having given up on the American project. The Times praises Elizabeth Warren for what they themselves call her radical agenda. And they say this, and I'm quoting here, this is a real quote, carrying out a progressive agenda through new laws will be very hard for any Democratic president. In that light, voters could consider what a Democratic president might accomplish without new legislation. And in particular, they could focus on the presidency's wide-ranging powers to shape American society through the creation and enforcement of regulations. As an advisor to President Barack Obama, they go on to say, Ms. Warren was the person most responsible for the creation of a new regulatory agency. In her interview with the editorial board, she demonstrated her sophisticated understanding of the different levers of power in an administration, particularly in the use of regulation in areas such as trade, antitrust, and environmental policy. I bet she did. That is the Obama model, right? And in other words, they're abandoning the idea of convincing the public and its representatives to pass the sorts of laws they want and hoping their ideas can be imposed on people through agencies with no constitutional status whatsoever. The Times says its usual path would have been to back a more traditional candidate. But again, quoting the events of the past few years have shaken the confidence of even the most committed institutionalists. We are not veering away from the values we espouse, but we are rattled by the weakness of the institutions that we trusted to undergird those values. Basically, the game didn't go their way. So they're taking their constitutional ball and going home. The Times used to be called the paper of record. That's no longer valid if it ever was. But they are reliably the voice of an elite leftist media that has fallen prey to the snakebite of socialism, democratic socialism if possible, but socialism ultimately by any means necessary. So here's my question: If if you've openly lost faith in our institutions, if you've openly lost faith in the idea that the people should rule, this is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. If you want to enforce your agenda by regulation rather than vote, and if you only care about winning and not convincing, in what sense? Are you not the enemy of the people, as Trump says you are? I'd love to hear The Times' answer, but I never will because they don't know anyone who would ever ask them the question. And I suspect that's how they got to this sad state in the first place. We're going to talk a little bit more about the sad state of the left, a lot more. But first, let's talk about ZipRecruiter. I know some of you uh, listen to the show and you write me and you say, wow, that's really great. I never thought of that, those things before. But some of you listen to Michael Knowles and you think, wow. Why didn't you use ZipRecruiter? Because ZipRecruiter is the best way to hire people and obviously we screwed up on that. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. They do just about everything but go out and drag the guy in so you can hire the best people. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through this Site within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, which is pretty inexpensive, at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. That's ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. ZipRecruiter.com slash Claven. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire if you're smart enough to know how to spell Claven. (laughs) <laughs> there are no, there ease are no I, 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 that's just what I was going to say. There are no easy Claven. I just make it look this easy. The mailbag. Is tomorrow. So go to DailyWire. Shifty <laughs> shift. is that guy the worst? <laughs> what, where did that come from? <laughs> go, go to DailyWire.com. <laughs> That's the yeah. one I'm looking for. That that may also be Adam Schiff after we kick him out of office. But <laughs> let's go to Daily. What was I even talking about anymore? Go to DailyWire.com. Hit the podcast button. Hit the Andrew Klavan podcast. Hit that mailbag button. Ask me anything you want about politics, religion, your personal life. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. For the better, tune in tomorrow and find out on the mailbag. When I say that the press has given up on America, by the way, it's not just the press. It's the left. The, the left and the press are one. Certainly the New York Times and the left are one. Y- yesterday, I was yeah, yeah, it was yesterday during Martin Luther King Day, Alexandria Occasional Cortex gave her annual Stupid show with ta Coates, who also really, I mean, they never call ta Coates out because I guess he's he's an eloquent and an articulate an articulate black guy. So they never call him out. But he also his ideas are ridiculous and they sit together and they say dumb stuff. Now, I just want to play. We're going to play more of her throughout the show. But I just want to play this one quick clip, something she said uh, that didn't get a lot of play when she was talking about community organizing. This is a very, uh, very short clip. Let me make sure I've got the right one. Um, is a very short clip when she talked about, uh, I think it's, yeah, cut three, yes. She talks about community organizing and the founding principles of America. Listen to this.
1: That organizing challenges many of the operating tenets mm-hmm. that the United States was founded on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, including racism, but mm-hmm. also including the protection of capital mm-hmm. over human beings.
0: Are you stupid? Okay, now we know she's an idiot. But that really is the way the left feels, right? That it was founded not that the left, not that the left had, not that America had bigotry. Of course, America had bigotry. Everybody, everybody had bigotry, and everybody still there's still bigotry in every human heart. That has nothing to do with it. But she says it was founded on the idea of bigotry. She said this on Martin Luther King Day, who remember who said we should live out the meaning of our creed. In other words. We were founded on a good creed that bigotry uh, betrayed. Chuck Schumer, also talking on Martin Luther King Day. Let's hear what he had to say. Dr. King, with his brilliance, with his eloquence, with his faith, took a giant mirror and he hoisted it on his shoulders. And with his amazing ability to talk to people, he forced all of America to look in that mirror And what they saw, they didn't like. He forced us to do that.
2: America didn't want to do it for 200, 300 years, been sweeping it all under the rug. Sweeping it all under the rug, and it's still there. You know, a thing of something I tell all of my white friends. White people (laughs) believe slavery is history. African-Americans know we live with slavery today, every day.
0: An amazing statement. Do you think Martin Luther King would come back and look at America, the America uh, that is here today and say we live with slavery every day? You know what? He wouldn't have said it then. He wouldn't have said it back then that we lived with uh, Jim Crow, that we live with bigotry and segregation. Uh, absolutely. You know, Shelby Steele has written about the fact that white Americans have taken on board this message, that white Americans have gone through the the uh, the, the The passage of shame that we had to feel have reassessed, have reassessed the country, have reassessed their own attitudes and changed. But the left just keeps selling it because they believe that is the heart of the country. They believe that's the founding of the country, the founding principles of the country. And they have given up on those principles. They have given up on those principles because they've given up on us, on the American people. They really have. You want to see a perfect example of this, this gun rights demonstration that went on yesterday, an amazing, amazing thing. This is in Virginia, where the first black governor, Ralph Northam, uh, maybe it turns out he wasn't, (laughs) you know, he tried, though. You got to give him that. He tried. You know, they're they're moving very rapidly to try and curtail gun rights. So people showed up to uh, protest in favor of the Second Amendment and Northam uh, declared a state of emergency, saying any minute now, the terrorists, the white nationalists are coming in. And and listen to AOC's description of this and the same thing uh, when she talks about the gun protests. Cut one.
1: There's this um, gun rights protest that's right. happening right. down right. in Richmond. Right. And on MLK Day. On MLK Day. <laughs> but here's the image that has struck with me the most about that, is that when we go out and march for the dignity and the recognition of the lives of people like Freddie Gray Mm -hmm. and Eric Garner. Mm -hmm. The whole place is surrounded by police in riot gear Mm -hmm. without a gun in sight. Mm -hmm. And here are all of these people um, flying Confederate flags Mm -hmm. with semi-automatic weapons. Mm -hmm. And there's almost no police officers Mm -hmm. at that protest. Mm -hmm. So who are, are who or what are our institu- institutions protecting right. from who? What? <laughs>
0: now, first Bro, of what all, what are you talking about, man? The lies that people told about the police in the killings of black people, when when the person who gets killed happens to be a black person, the lies that they tell about police have led to riots. They've led to riots in St. Louis. They've led. Uh, led to killings in Dallas. So to have police protection at those demonstrations is very wise. You don't need them at these demonstrations because nobody broke the law. And by the way, there were no Confederate flags that I saw or that people who were there saw. Anybody can walk in with a Confederate flag, obviously. But this was not, not a white supremacist or white nationalist demonstration. It was a demonstration for the Constitution. But they don't believe in the Constitution because they've lost faith in the founding. So you can't blame AOC. AOC is not that bright. You can't blame her because she's watching the media. This is the way the media portrayed (laughs) portrayed this demonstration at which there was no violence whatsoever. There was no trouble whatsoever. This is the way the media portrayed the run-up to this demonstration. This is from Newsbusters.
2: Thousands of gun rights activists, white nationalists, militia groups all
0: swarming the Virginia state capitol. There are a lot of people nervous about what's going to happen. Authorities in Richmond are on high alert. It could be a tense day. Such polarization, what may happen in Virginia. Several
2: hate groups. Supposedly some white nationalists. White
1: nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists.
3: White nationalist groups. White supremacists. White supremacists. White supremacists. White White extremists. This entire rally stands in, in opposition to the meaning of this day. Virginia on the edge. How concerned are you that there might be some people in this crowd that may want to get violent? There's certainly a lot of concern here. Raising fears of a dangerous confrontation. There could be violence. And there is real concern there about what the intention is behind this. There's a lot of concern about the potential for violence. It spark violence. Tensions high in Virginia may cause violence there. Northam
1: clearly trying to avoid another Charlottesville. Yeah.
0: In Charlottesville. I could see a repeat of what we saw
3: in 2017 in
0: Charlottesville. Similar to what we saw in Charlottesville. Worrying about it repeat of Charlottesville. <laughs> it's like, please, Lord, send us some violence, send us some violence on the gun rights. Of course, no violence, absolutely peaceful. But, but of course, let's let, you know, Breitbart went out and they interviewed uh, one of these white supremacist gun rights activists, this is cut number eight.
2: Every news piece you've seen on this, this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race as though it's nothing but white, rednecks, and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment, when actually black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here and main, big media, mainstream media be damned. If you take a good look at me, you can see I'm a black American. And all I'm out here for is to enjoy my second amendment rights.
0: Now, of course, in Virginia, you can never tell who the black guys are because their governor is always rubbing shoe polish on from space. Come <laughs> on, know yeah, It's not me. I didn't do it. Don't look at, don't look at me. But, but, you know, this, uh, this brings up really what the guns are about, obviously, or something else that is brought up by our friend Alexandria Occasional Cortex in the same stupidity display, they have the annual MLK stupidity display. This is the thing where she is talking about uh, billionaires and what, what they want from billionaires. is Cut number four.
1: If Jeff Bezos yeah, right. wants to be a good person, he turned turn Amazon to a walker, worker cooperative.
0: Right.
1: Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, not what do I do with all of this money that yeah. I have created right. with this unjust system. Right. And if, usually if you're a billionaire, that means that you control a massive system. Mm. It means that you own oil supplies, It means that you control textiles. Mm. It means that you have a massive labor force under your control. And to be ethical, if you're a billionaire today, the thing that you need to do is give up control Mm. and power. So I don't want your money as much as we want your power. Mm. The people, not me, that's gonna get cut and clipped.
0: (laughs) She says that's going to get cut and clipped because she thinks it's unfair. I I left that in because she thinks it's unfair that when she says that, we think that she wants the power. She says she wants the power for the people. But see, the people are not what she thinks. This is the whole problem right here. When we say we the people, we mean we each one of us. You know, Bernie Sanders has a slogan not not me, us, you know, but no, the people is you. The people is each and every one of us. When you start talking about the people as an abstraction, you're talking about the governors, the government sister. And that was what the founders were trying to keep the power away from, which they were trying to keep it away from the power centers. They were trying to disperse it amidst the people. So Jeff Bezos, as she herself says, he created that wealth. It's his wealth. But the government is always the greatest center of power. The government can strip Bezos of everything he has. That's what happened in Nazi Germany. Everyone's saying, oh, there's so many powerful Jews. There's so the Jews. They're so powerful. They're so powerful. Nobody is more powerful than the government. The government is always the biggest gun in the room always and always has to be watched, always has to be restricted, always has to be restrained. So when she says that, it's not being unfair to her to cut and paste it and say, say, I want your power because she does. She is the government. She's in the government. The power does not go to the people. Every time they tell you that they're going to give the power to the people, it winds up in the hands of six people, one person ultimately, who does, and it doesn't turn out very well. And you can hear that, you know, uh, Mike Bloomberg was talking about the uh, guy who, um, Jack Wilson, who stopped the killing in the church outside Fort Worth, right? And here's what he said.
2: It may be true. I wasn't there. I don't know the facts that somebody in the congregation had their own gun and killed the person who murdered two other people. But it's the job of law enforcement to uh have guns and to decide when to shoot, you just do not want the average
0: citizen carrying a gun in a crowded place. See that. That's what we're talking about. And we're talking about their trust of the average citizen. But the Constitution is very clear about this. They're very clear about this, that we, the people, get to have guns. There's no there's no the people abstract who has guns. That's just giving the guns to the government. We know what that looks like. The founders knew what that looks like. They wanted to keep the power down at the, bo- at the basic level and have it generated upward toward the government. That was the whole point. That was the whole point. And the whole point of what the New York Times said in their uh, editorial endorsing the deedly deedly, DDD two ladies. And what Mike Bloomberg is saying there and what AOC is saying is no, 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 no. We want that power. Give us that power now. And that's exactly why people want to keep their guns, because they know they want to keep the power For themselves, let us stop for just a moment and talk about rockauto.com. We love this uh, sponsor because we just love to say rockauto.com, but also because when your car isn't working, it is a pain in the neck to try to find a way to get to the auto parts store and have somebody behind a counter who knows no more than you do look through a computer and find the parts you need. If you go to rockauto.com, you not only get to say rockauto.com, but you get to shop right online. Rockauto.com is a family business. They serve auto parts customers online and they've been doing it for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers right in the comfort of your own home. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate you <laughs> And quickly, you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, whether it's an old one, a new one, uh, a souvenir, whatever it is, you can get the parts you need for reliably low prices at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Claven in there, how did you hear about us? Not just so that they know we sent you, but also so they know how you spell cl- that you know how to spell Clavin. If that thing isn't ringing in your head by the time we're finished We haven't done our job. all right. So this this brings me this idea of the people versus the elite and the idea that the power is supposed to be in the people, the people's hands. And when we say the people, we don't mean some great mass that exists only in AOC's imagination. We mean us, you and me. You know, this is the thing. These people, they think they own the culture. The New York Times, they think they make the culture. Ta-Nehisi Coates, he writes for the Atlantic magazine. So he thinks, ooh, I'm in the culture. AOC, she has the backing of the New York Times. They think that's the culture. Let me tell you something, they ain't the culture we're the culture. Another kingdom is the culture. Ben is the culture. The culture is being made in these little places where they aren't paying attention. We are the culture. I'm telling you, this is the truth. There was a piece in the New York, uh, in the Wall Street Journal today about rock bands that are very popular in the red states, but nobody knows they're there because the New York Times doesn't write about them and they don't get the big ads and they don't get the, the reviews in Rolling Stone magazine. That's the culture. We, the people, are the culture. And it will one day happen that we rise to the surface and the thing turns around and flips. Over once we gather the power that we are gathering right now. But this is the revolution, baby. I know I'm an old guy saying that I'm the Ben Franklin of this re- revolution, but it is true. We are building the culture from the ground up. They think they own it, they think because they have so much of the communication territory, but it really belongs to us. So this is in, you know, the Davos financial thing is happening now, right? And they're off in Switzerland. All the power players are out there in Switzerland. And I know. Every Tuesday, I read to part of the column from Walter Russell Mead, Wall Street Journal, because I just love this guy. It's like you know, some some places they have a poetry slam. We have the Walter Russell Mead slam here, but he talks about all these people. He has a a, a column this week called "All Aboard the Crazy Train," and he talks about the people going off. To this little elite village in the Swiss Alps to talk about the rest of us, how they're going to run the, the economy for the rest of us. And he says, there is something inescapably ridiculous about a gathering this self-important. Certainly Marie Antoinette and her friends dressing up as shepherdesses to celebrate the simple life has nothing on the more than 100 billionaires descending often by private jet on an exclusive Swiss ski resort for four days of ostentatious hand-wringing about the problems of the poor and the dangers of climate change. He says, this year, an earnest young rate aid at registration, told me that to reduce the event's carbon carbon footprint after they'd flown in in their private jets, no paper maps of the town were being distributed. One can almost feel the waves of relief from the nearby Alpine glaciers at this sign of green progress. For the Davos Sea, he says, still reading from Walter Russell Mead, for the Davos Sea, the rise of populism is a huge problem. That's the rise of people power, the rise of your vote, the rise of people like Donald Trump and, uh, Boris um, what's it, Johnson in, in Britain, the Brexit vote in Britain, the rise of the ordinary people is a huge problem. A world increasingly separating into rival blocks as supply chains begin to decouple isn't a hospitable environment for global governance. They don't like the fact that we love our countries, that they we want our countries to remain our countries, that we want to put American first. This is a problem for their third way capitalist reform, and their the many other hopes of the Davoisi and projects. This is particularly true of the cause that dominates the agenda here, climate change. The conventional Davoisi wisdom says that climate change can be handled only by international agreements and global institutions like those envisioned by the powers. Paris Accord. The goal is to get the nations of the earth to limit their use of fossil fuels and make the enormous changes required to reach net zero emissions in time to avoid the most devastating consequences. The solution requires a massive shift of power from national governments to global institutions. And that's the whole point of climate change. The whole point of the panic. I'm not saying we shouldn't take event, uh, take care of our environment. Of course we should. We should take care of our air and water. The air and water here is good and has gotten better. Fewer people are dying from uh, natural disasters and from uh, environmental causes than ever before. You know, this is a good place to be. But the Chinese are not going to suddenly limit their use of coal because they feel, you know, some kind of sentimental attachment to the climate when they want to beat us out. So countries, nations competing with one another, which is how the world moves forward and how we get to maintain our values in this country and not just surrender to Chinese values like they do in Hollywood, how we get to do that is by maintaining our country, maintaining our borders, maintaining our constitution in spite of the New York Times wanting to take it away. And they want to. That power, they want it so bad. So Trump gets up, and he gives his speech, and his speech was really a barn burner only because... Only because he got to tout his achievements while they're talking about impeachment here, and the impeachment trial beginning. You know that's probably the big story today, and I should get to it, but I just don't care. So I will get to it eventually, but I just don't care about the impeachment. So, so I'll have to. It'll have to wait while we talk about real things. But let's just talk about. Uh, let's play cut number ten as he tells them how successful, how successful his administration has been, and why.
2: Pessimism had taken root deep in the minds of leading thinkers, business leaders, and policymakers. Yet despite all of the cynics, I had never been more confident in America's future. I knew we were on the verge of a profound economic resurgence if we did things right. One that would generate a historic wave of investment, wage growth, and job creation. I knew that if we unleashed the potential of our people If we cut taxes, slashed regulations, and we did that at a level that's never been done before in the history of our country in a short period of time, fixed broken trade deals and fully tapped American energy, that prosperity would come thundering back at a record speed. And that is exactly what we did, and that is exactly
0: what happened. The greatest jobs president that God ever created. (laughs) He then goes on in this speech to list his accomplishments and what he has done for the economy, and it is amazing. While they're talking about impeaching this guy, he is dancing on top of his success. It's amazing. And if you want your business to be a success... (laughs) <laughs> what a great segue. If you want your business to be successful, you got to use NetSuite. Why? Because if you don't know what's happening in your business, if you don't know where the, what the numbers are, you don't know what's going on, right? If you want to be the Donald Trump of your business, no matter what it is, well, maybe a more polite Donald Trump in your business, no matter what it is, you got to use NetSuite. What keeps growing businesses from knowing their numbers is this hodgepodge of business systems, and NetSuite comes in handy to get rid of that. NetSuite by Oracle is the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one Cloud Business System. You don't need a bunch of people. You don't need to go to different uh, different programs. You can just use NetSuite. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at NetSuite.com slash Claven. That's NetSuite.com slash Claven to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, NetSuite.com slash Claven. The first strategy of the seven. Is learn how to spell Claven. There <laughs> are no S K L A V A N. Compare the optimism and triumphalism of Donald Trump with our old friend Greta Thunberg, who is also at Davos, because a little child shall leave them. Here's her speech.
4: This is not about right or left. We couldn't care less about your party politics. From a sustainability perspective, the right, the left, as well as the center, have all failed. No political ideology or economic structure has been able to tackle the climate and environmental emergency and create a cohesive and sustainable world. Because that world, in case you haven't noticed, is currently on fire. You say children shouldn't worry. You say, just leave this to us. We will fix this. We promise we won't let you down. Don't be so pessimistic. And then nothing. Silence. Or something worse than silence. Empty words and promises which give the impression that sufficient action is being taken.
0: She says, I wonder what will you tell your children was the reason you failed and left them facing the climate chaos you knowingly brought upon them. You know, I'm going to tell them uh, we didn't believe you because you guys were listening to children, first of all.
4: How dare you? (laughs) How
0: dare you? And also, also because as Glenn Reynolds of Instapundit always says, I'll believe it's a crisis when the people telling me it's a crisis... Act like it's a crisis. If you're flying into Switzerland on in your private plane, don't tell me you're eating asparagus and therefore everything's fine. Don't tell me like Al Gore, well, I'm paying for carbon offset so I get to do whatever I want. Why? If you think the world is going to end in 10 years, why'd you buy a house? Why are you saving for your children? Why'd you even have children? You're lying because you want the power, and that's why we are not going to panic. Let's pause for just a moment moment and talk about uh, something that really we do need to talk about, which is abortion. Abortion is something that goes on uh, at such a rate, it's almost unbelievable. Since the passing of Roe v. Wade, om- over 60 million pre-born children have been killed in the womb. 60 million children who never had a chance to do the things that every one of us does. To love, to create children of their own, to create families, just to experience the world taken away from them because they had no voice, no way to speak up. When Ben went and streamed his podcast live from the March for Life in D.C. last year, our advertisers were targeted by left-wing media watchdogs and several of them, several of our sponsors Caved and they pulled their ads from our programs. And it wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last. Probably, we get attacked by these people. They do nothing. They create nothing. They do nothing but listen to us and try to create a panic for our sponsors. Sadly, we're not the only targets. Our friends at Live Action, it's one of the biggest voices in the pro-life movement, and they continue to do some of the most important work in the space, from raising awareness and education on the abortion issue to undercover videos that expose Planned Parenthood and other clinics for horrific human rights abuses. They have been banned from advertising on Twitter. Think about that for a minute. They're just banned from advertising on Twitter because of their calls to defund Planned Parenthood. They've been banned from Pinterest for, quote, spreading medical misinformation like the truth. They have also seen their advertising efforts and their online distribution restricted depending on the platform. That's why our DailyWire.com members are so important. Your membership, your subscription, helps us say no to advertisers who cave to left-wing ideologies. You keep our pro-life message all our messages from being canceled, and instead you help it grow louder. That is why from now until January 31st, a portion of any DailyWire.com membership will be donated to our friends at Live Action with promo code Live Action to support awareness and education around the world on this issue. Join DailyWire.com. Make your pro life voice heard. Make all our voices heard. Without fear. We got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube, but come to dailywire.com and subscribe so you can be in the mailbag tomorrow where all your problems will be solved. That is, (laughs) and you will get to, you will sound like that. That will be a pretty good deal. All right. You know, since all this stuff comes down to power, that's what the impeachment thing is, too. We got out of we, the people, we, the naughty people, we, the deplorable people, we got out of hand and we did not elect, crown the queen who was in line for the throne. We instead got nasty, nasty Donald Trump, who gave some power back to the people who cut those regulations that The New York Times loves so much. How how dare we? How dare we? Is, how uh, dare How you? dare you? Yes. So they got to impeach him. They want to impeach him. They know they're not going to get away with it, but it's worth trying. And as Nancy Pelosi keeps telling us, their the impeachment will brand him with a he'll be marked with that impeachment. She's become a crazed Ugh. lunatic. She, she has become a crazed lunatic, and if she's a crazed lunatic, if she thinks we give a damn, we we don't. I want to play one more. This is the this is going to be the all Alexandria all AOC show because the the doofiness, <laughs> the stream of doofiness that just comes. Predictably out of her cute little mouth is just unbelievable. So, here is a thing she says about uh, the, this is about the Democrat Party, right? Uh, let us hear what she has to say about that. This is um, cut two, I think.
1: We don't have a left party <clears throat> in the United States. <clears throat> the Democratic Party is not a left party. <clears throat> um, the Democratic Party <clears throat> is a center or center conservative party. Mm. We do not advocate for, we do not, we can't even get a floor vote on Medicare for All. Mm -hmm. Not even a floor vote that gets voted down. Mm -hmm. We can't even get a vote on it. Mm -hmm. So this is not a left party. Mm. There are left members inside the Democratic Party Mm -hmm. that are working to try to make that shift happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right, it does convey a certain uh, sentiment about true believers. Mm-hmm. And um, and there are a lot of true believers in that we can capitalism our way out of poverty mm-hmm. um, in the democratic party. Mm-hmm. If anything, that's probably the majority.
3: Ever met someone who was so extremely dumb that they don't know how <laughs> stupid they actually are? <laughs> you know, I got of hand it to her. I like
0: this, the idea of being a true believer in capitalism. Just because capitalism has halved the poverty rate around the world, just because capitalism has raised this... You know before this country before this co- there was nothing like the wealth in this country and when i talk about the wealth i'm not talking about jeff bezos i'm talking about the fact that you can walk into a deli and buy a sandwich that is better quality food than caesar ate during the height of the roman empire for a couple of bucks that's capitalism i'm talking about the fact that you have the library of the world in your pocket because of your iphone that's capitalism this woman is a stone cold idiot. And she, the only thing she's saying that's true, that does have a point is that she's saying the Democrats aren't signing in. They're not all in on her idea that Jeff Bezos needs to start a worker cooperative instead of creating the wealth, the amazing wealth that he's created, the jobs that he's created. Jeff Bezos has created more. Listen, I've created more jobs than the government has ever created. The government doesn't create jobs. The government takes money from other people and and just spreads it around. But that is so much different. That is so much different than what Bezos did was create an industry. He he may, listen, he may not run that industry well. He may be uh, accountable to his conscience. We may have to hold him up to his conscience. It's nothing to do with giving all that power over to this clown. You know, that is a totally different thing. So, The way we know, however, the way we know that she's lying and that her power, the power of the left, is so powerful in the Democrat Party is because Nancy Pelosi had to take that impeachment to the Senate. She didn't want to do it. She said we shouldn't impeach unless we have evidence that is compelling, overwhelming and bipartisan. Those were her words. And instead... She got no Republican votes, she got no bipartisan support, and she couldn't even find a crime to charge the president with. They just, this obstruction of, you know, this made up stuff. So. The defense has released its brief against uh, the charges. Uh, they said that the uh, the transcript of the phone call to the president of the Ukraine, sh- president of Ukraine, shows the president did nothing wrong. He was just concerned in uncovering potential foreign interference in U.S. elections. It's always a legitimate goal, says the brief. Whatever the source of the interference and whether or not it fits with Democrats' preferred narrative, because what the Democrats are arguing see, the Democrats are saying that. Trump is saying that Russia didn't interfere with the election. It was Ukraine. And that's not true. What Trump is saying is, yeah, Russia interfered with the election, but so did Ukraine. And we know that's true. We know that Ukrainian officials were coming out and denouncing Donald Trump and speaking in favor of Hillary Clinton. So they know that we're interfering with the election. The brief also says that it's legitimate to bring up the issue of Hunter Biden and Burisma Public reports, this is from the brief, public reports indicate that then-Vice President Biden threatened withholding U.S. loan guarantees to secure the dismissal of a Ukrainian prosecutor, even though Biden was at the time operating under what appeared to be, at the very least, a serious conflict of interest. So now they're going to argue about the big argument they're going to have. Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell submitted his rules yesterday, what the rules of the impeachment will be, and now they're going to argue about those rules. And the big argument, of course, is whether they should call witnesses. What McConnell says is, let's go through the charges first, and then we'll take a vote. We'll hear hear both sides of the argument, and then we'll take a vote on whether there should be witnesses. Listen to Adam Schiff. I want you to listen to Adam Schiff's argument, this this pencil-neck McCarthyite's argument. Little (laughs) pencil-neck Adam Schiff. (laughs) I I just keep hearing these voices in my head. Uh, (gasps) why they shouldn't have witnesses. It's beautiful.
3: We supeded uh, many of these witnesses And because of the president's obstruction, they ignored those lawful subpoenas. If you argue that, well, the House needed to go through endless months or even years of litigation uh, before bringing about an impeachment, you effectively nullify the impeachment clause. You allow the president of the United States, by delay, by playing rope and dope in the courts, to defeat the power of the impeachment clause. The framers gave the House the sole power of impeachment. It didn't say that was given to judges who, at their leisure may or may not decide cases and allow the house to proceed so that is not the structure that the framers intended and i'll make one other point george which is i think a powerful one and that is Donald Trump's Justice Department is in court saying the House cannot go to court to enforce its subpoenas. Well, they can't have it both ways, and neither should the senators accept it both ways. Uh, the reality is, because what the president is threatening to do is cheat in the next election, you cannot wait months and years to be able to remove that threat from office.
0: You know, that, that is an amazing statement. It's basically due process is obstruction. Going to the courts is obstruction. And he, he says they didn't leave it to the judges to decide the law. Well, yes, they, that's exactly what they did. That's how due process works. But due process, according to Adam Schiff, is obstruction. And then when they talk about witnesses, do they want all the witnesses? Margaret Brennan, who has been really guilty of practicing journalism on CBS, I don't know if they found her yet. When they do, I'm sure she'll be out on her ear. But she asked Jerry Nadler about whether they want all the witnesses.
1: Is there any circumstance in which Democrats would consider for reciprocity having Hunter Biden come and testify?
2: You know, the question of witnesses uh, in any trial, in any trial, all relevant witnesses uh, must be heard, whether if you're accused of robbing a bank, Tes- testimony that I saw him rob the bank or he was somewhere else he couldn't have robbed the bank is admissible. It's not negotiable whether you have witnesses. And this whole controversy about whether there should be witnesses is ju- is really a question of does the Senate want to have a fair trial or do they or are they part of the cover of the president? Any Republican senator who says there should be no witnesses or even that witnesses should be negotiated is part of the cover up.
1: So you're saying no way would Hunter Biden ever be called to testify
2: Well, I'm saying that Hunter Biden has no knowledge of the accusations
0: against the president. (laughs) But he is, he is evidence that the president was acting to curtail corruption. That's the whole point, right? So he is a perfectly relevant witness. So it's bring on the witnesses, bring on the witnesses. Witnesses like Hunter Biden. No, no, no. Whoa. Look, this is all about power. I've said this from the beginning. We know it is because they wanted uh, Trump impeached from before he took office. They wanted him impeached for Russia collusion. When that didn't work, they said obstruction. When that didn't work, they thought, oh, look, you know, here's, here's a girl he slept with uh, back in the day, and so that's going to be a, a campaign violation. They have tried every single thing. And now they've come up with this bogus thing. Anyway, Mitch McConnell says that he's going to they're going to be 24 hours of arguments split over uh, a four day period. So that means uh, each each team is going to get uh, 12 hours for two days, 24 hours, and then the other team gets 24 hours. So apparently it looks like he's trying to clean it up. Uh, as quickly as possible so that Trump can have it behind him when he gives, on February 4th, when he gives his State of the Union address. That will be an amazing, an amazing moment if uh, Mitch McConnell pulls that off without making it seem that he's sweeping anything under the rug. This is a purely political thing that's going on. It's purely about the fact that the people had the temerity to seize back a little of that power that the New York Times, AOC, and the left doesn't want them to have i got to end with a final reflection about something I was talking about yesterday. I was talking about why the left wants to erase women as women. And when you talk about this, you can just talk about anything. Abortion. Abortion. that They say it's a woman's right. It's really a way of getting rid of women as women. The sports where they let women who say they're men who say they're women uh, compete. That is another way of erasing women. Judging women by their professional accomplishments and typically male terms. Telling them to lean in. Telling them ambition. Telling them that it's slavery if you uh, work and sacrifice for your family, but it's freedom and power if you work and sacrifice for a boss who doesn't care whether you live or die. Uh, Just an amazing, amazing thing. And I was saying that I think the reason that women stand in the way of the left is that women are the carriers of culture, women are the people who produce the culture and pass it on to their children when they're there. And, you know, I I wanted to say this yesterday, but I couldn't pull the quote. I'm not very good at quoting things. Wordsworth, one of my favorite poets, William Wordsworth, writes about the fact that a a baby with his mother nursing at at his mother's breast, looking into his mother's eyes, gets the sense of a world filled with love, a world that is created by love, and even gets the sense of God's existence in the world, that he is a, uh, what does he say? That he is a co-worker, sort of. Uh, I'm, I'm using, these are not Wordsworth words, they're mine, uh, that, he, that the baby gets the sense that he is a co-worker with God, a co-creator with God in the world, which is, in fact, the case. That is, in fact, the way I think God looks at human beings. And he says all of this, all of this comes from the mother. There is a piece that you should really look at. I don't have time to read from it now, but... A piece in The Federalist today by Katie Faust, who is the founder and director of a children's rights organization, Them Before Us. And she talks about Washington State, which is now taken over by Democrats. And she says they have a new rule which would require every public company to have a gender diverse board of directors. And she says, Katie... Katie Faust says it would appear the Senate Democrats believe representation of both sexes is of great importance. Unfortunately, their concern regarding sex differences is limited only to the world of business because they spent 2018 scrubbing the words mother and father from the world of family. And she then goes on to talk about the difference, different things that moms and dads bring to their family and how important, important women are to the family. I mean, it goes without saying that women are the backbone of the family and that, What the left is saying is, yeah, it's really important to have a woman's point of view in business, but not in the family, not in the creation of human beings, because they do not. They want human beings to be separated from all culture, from all tradition, from all loyalty, except their loyalty to the state. And that is what they're trying to create. And that is why women are the target. I got to stop there. Mailbag tomorrow. Don't miss it. All your problems will be solved. What did you need them for? Come here to hear the Andrew Clavin show. I'm Andrew Clavin. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Siavitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
3: On the Matt Wall Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.